part two a full speed ahead by henry b beston this librivox recording is in the public domain part two four running submerged it was breakfast time and the officers of the submarines then in port had gathered round one end of the long dining table in the wardroom of the mothership two or three who had breakfast early had taken places on a bench along the nearer wall and were examining a disintegrating heap of english and american magazines whilst pushed back from the table and smoking an ancient briar the senior of the group read the wireless news which had just arrived that morning the news was not of great importance the lecture done with the tinkle of cutlery and silver which had been politely hushed broke forth again what are you doing this morning bill said one of the young captains to another who had appeared in old clothes going out at about half past nine with the x ten the x ten was a british submarine just going to take a couple of shots at each other what are you up to oh i've got to give a bearing the once over and then i've got to write a bunch of letters wouldn't you like to come with us said the first speaker a pausing over a steaming dish of breakfast porridge be mighty glad to take you indeed i would i replied with joy in my heart all my life long i have wanted to take a trip in a submarine that's fine we'll get you some zungarees can't fool around a submarine in good clothes the whole table began to take a friendly interest and a dispute arose as to whose clothes would best fit me i am a large person give him my extra set there on the side of my locker don't you want a cap or something hey that's too small wait and i'll get tom's coat try these on they are a wonderful lot the submarine officers i felt frightfully submarinish in my outfit we must have made a picturesque group the captain led off wearing a tattered battered old uniform of annapolis days i followed wearing an old navy cap jammed on the side of my head and a suit of newly laundered dungarees the second officer brought up the rear his outfit consisted of dungaree trousers a kind of aviator's waistcoat and an old cloth cap the submarines were moored close by the side of the mother ship a double doorway in the wall of the machine shop on the lower deck opening directly upon them a narrow runway connected the nearest vessel with the sill of this aperture and mere planks led from one superstructure to another the day first real day after weeks of rain was soft and clear great low masses of vapor neither mist nor cloud but something of both swept down the long bay on the wings of the wind from the clean sweet-smelling sea the sun shone like ancient silver little fretful waves of water clear as the water of a spring coursed down the alleyways between the submarines gulls piping and barking whirled like snowflakes overhead i crossed to one gray alligatorish superstructure looking down a narrow circular hatch at whose floor i could see the captain waiting for my coming grasped the steel rings of a narrow ladder and descended into the submarine the first impression was of being surrounded by tremendous almost incredible complexity a bewildering and intricate mass of delicate mechanical contrivances bows stopcocks wheels chains shining pipes ratchets faucets oil cups rods gauges 
second impression bright cleanliness shining brass gleams of steely radiance stainless walls of white enamel paint third impression size there was much more room than i had expected of course everything is to be seen by floods of steady electric light since practically no daylight filters down through an open hatchway this said the captain is the control room notice the two depth gauges two in case one gets out of order that thick tube with a brass thread coiled around it is a periscope and it's a peach it's of the housing kind and winds up and down along that screw the thread prevents any leak of water in here he went through a lateral compartment with a steel door thick as that of a small safe is a space where we eat sleep and live our cook stove is that gadget in the corner we don't do much cooking when we're running submerged in here he passed another stout partition is our diesel engine and our dynamos up forward is another living space which technically belongs to the officers and the torpedo room he took me along now you've seen it all a fat steel cigar divided into various compartments and crammed jammed full of shining machinery of course there's no privacy whatsoever readers will have to guess what is occasionally used for the phonograph table our space is so limited that designers will spend a year arguing where to put an object no bigger than a soapbox we get on very well however every crew gets used to its boat the men get used to each other they like the life you couldn't drag them back to surface vessels an ideal submarine crew works like a perfect machine when we go out you'll see that we give our orders by klaxon there's too much noise for the voice suppose i had popped up on the surface right under the very nose of one of those destroyer brutes she might start to ram me in which case i might not have time to make recognition signals and would have to take my choice between getting rammed or depth bombed i decide to submerge push a button the klaxon gives a yell and every man does automatically what he has been trained to do a floods the tanks b stands by the dynamos c watches the depth gauges and so on that's what we call a crash dive over at the destroyer base i said they told me that the germans were having trouble because of lack of trained crews you can just bet they are said the captain must have lost several boats that way can't monkey with these boats if somebody pulls a fool stunt good night he opened a gold watch and closed it again with a click nine o'clock just time to shove off come up on the bridge until we get out in the bay i climbed the narrow ladder again and crept along the superstructure to the bridge which rose for all the world like a little gray steel pulpit one has to be reasonably sure-footed it was curious to emerge from the electric lighted marvel to the sunlight of the bay to the view of the wild mountains descending to the clear sea the captain gave his orders faint vague noises rose out of the hatchway sailors standing at various points along the superstructure cast off the mooring ropes and took in bumpers shaped like monstrous sausages of cord which had protected one bulging hull from another the submarine went ahead solemnly as a planet friendly faces leaned over the rail of the mother ship high above 
once out into the bay i asked the second in command just what we were up to the second in command was a well-knit youngster with the coolest most resolute blue eyes it has ever been my fortune to see we're going to take shots at a british submarine and then she's going to have a try at us we don't really fire torpedoes but maneuver for a position three shots apiece there she is now running on the surface just as soon as we get out to deep water we'll submerge and go for her great practice a british submarine somewhat larger than our american boat was running down the bay pushing curious little waves of water ahead of her several men stood on her deck nice boat isn't she her captain's a great scout about two months ago a patrol boat shot off his periscope after he made it reasonably clear he wasn't a hun you ought to hear him tell about it especially his opinion of patrol boat captains great command of language bully fellow born submarine man i meant to ask you if you weren't sometimes mistaken for a german i said yes it happens he answered coolly you haven't seen smithy yet have you guess he was away when you came a bunch of destroyers almost murdered him last month he's come the nearest to kissing himself good-bye of any of us going to dive now time to get under once more down the steel ladder i was getting used to it the handful of sailors who had been on deck waited for us to pass within the strong somewhat peppery smell of hot oil from the diesel engines floated and there was to be heard a hard powerful knocking spitting sound from the same source the hatch cover was secured a listener might have heard a steel thump and a grind as it closed men stood calmly by the depth gauges and the valves not being a crash dive the feat of getting under was accomplished quietly accomplished with no more fracas than accompanies the running of a motor-car up to a door one instant we were on the surface the next instant we were under and the lean black arrow on the broad moon-faced depth gauge was beginning to creep from ten to fifteen from fifteen to twenty from twenty to twenty-five the clatter of the diesel engine had ceased in its place rose a low hum and of course there was no alteration of light nothing but that steady electric glow on those cold clean bulging walls what's the program now we are going down the bay a bit put up our periscope pick up the britisher and fire an imaginary tin fish at him after each shot we come to the surface for an instant to let him know we've had our turn what depth are we now only fifty-five feet what depth can you go the navy regulations forbid our descending more than two hundred feet subs are always hiking around about fifty or seventy-five feet under just deep enough to be well under the keel of anything going by where are we now pretty close to the mouth of the bay I'm going to shove up the periscope in a few minutes. The captain gave an order. The arrow on the dial retreated towards the left. Keep her there, he applied his eye to the periscope. A strange watery green light poured out of the lens, and focusing in his eye, lit the ball with wild demoniac glare. A consultation ensued between the captain and his junior. Do you see her? yes she is in line with that little white barn on the island she's heading down the bay now so many points this way this last direction to the helmsman there she is she's making about twelve she's turning coming back steady five six fire 
there was a rush a clatter and a stir and the boat rose evenly to the surface here take a look at her said the captain pushing me towards the periscope i fitted the eyepieces they might have been those of field glasses embedded in the tube to my eyes and beheld again the outer world the kind of a world one might see in a crystal a mirror world a glassy world but a remarkably clear little world and as i peered a drop of water cast up by some wave touched the outer lens of the tube and a trickle big as a deluge slid down the visionary bay twice again we attacked the britisher her turn came our boat rose to the surface and i was once more invited to accompany the captain to the bridge the british boat lay far away across the inlet we cruised about watching her there she goes the britisher sank like a stone in a pond we continued our course the two officers peered over the water with young searching resolute eyes then they took to their binoculars there she is cried the captain in a line with the oak tree i searched for a few minutes in vain suddenly i saw her that is to say i saw with a great deal of difficulty a small dark rod moving through the water it came closer i saw the hat-pin shaped trail behind it presently with a great swirl and roiling of foam the britisher pushed herself out of the water i could see my young captain judging the performance in his eye then we played victim two more times and went home on the way we discussed the submarine patrol now there is no more thrilling game in the world than the game of periscope versus periscope what do you do i asked just what you saw us do today we pack up grub and supplies beat it out on the high seas and wait for a fritz to come along we give him a taste of his own medicine given him one more enemy to dodge suppose a hun baffles the destroyers makes off to a lonely spot and comes to the surface for a breath of air there isn't a soul in sight not a stir of smoke on the horizon just as captain otto or von something or other is gloating over the last hospital ship he sunk and thinking what a lovely afternoon it is a tin fish comes for him like a bullet out of a gun there comes a thundering pound a vibration that sends little waves through the water a great foul swirl fragments of cork and it's all over with the watch on the rhine sometimes fritz's torpedoes meets ours on the way then once in a while a destroyer or a patriotic but misguided tramp makes things interesting for a bit but it's the most wonderful service of all i wouldn't give it up for anything we're all going out day after tomorrow can't you cable london for permission to go you'll like it don't believe anything you hear about the air getting bad the principal nuisance when you've been under a long while is the cold the boat gets as raw and damp as an unoccupied house in winter jingo quarter past one we'll be late for dinner some time after this article had appeared the captain of an american submarine gave me a copy of the following verses written by a submarine sailor poems of this sort typewritten by some accommodating yeoman are always being handed round in the navy i have seen dozens of them would that i knew the author of this picturesque and flavorous ditty for i would gladly give him the credit he deserves a submarine 
born in the shops of the devil designed by the brains of a fiend filled with acid and crude oil and christened a submarine the posts send in their ditties of battleships spick and clean but never a word in their columns do you see of a submarine so i'll endeavour to depict our story in a very laconic way so please have patience to listen until i've finished my say we eat where'er we can find it and sleep hanging up on hooks conditions under which we're existing are never published in books life on these boats is obnoxious and this is using mild terms we are never bothered by sickness there isn't any room for germs we are never troubled with varmints there are things even a cockroach cannot stand and any self-respecting rodent quick as possible beats it for land and that little one dollar per diem we receive to submerge out of sight is often earned more than double by charging batteries all night and that extra compensation we receive on boats like these we never really get at all it's spent on soap and dungarees machinists get soaked in fuel oil electricians in h2so4 gunners mates with 600w and torpedo slush galore when we come into the navy yard we are looked upon with disgrace and they make out some new regulation to fit our particular case now all you battleship sailors when you are feeling disgruntled and mean just pack your bag and hammock and go to a submarine five the return of the captains the breakfast hour was drawing to its end and the very last straggler sat alone at the wardroom table presently an officer of the mothership passing through called to the lingering group of submarine officers the x-4 is coming up the bay and the x-12 has been reported from signal station the news was received with a little hum of friendly interest wonder what ned will have to say for himself this time must have struck pretty good weather bet you john has been looking for another chance at that hun of his the talk drifted away into other channels a little time passed then suddenly a door opened and one after the other entered the three officers of the first homecoming submarine they were clad in various ancient uniforms which might have been worn by an apprentice lad in a garage old grey flannel shirts and stout grease-stained shoes several days had passed since their faces had felt a razor and all were a little pale from their crews but the liveliest of keen eyes burned in each resolute young face eyes smiling and glad a friendly hullabaloo broke forth chairs scraped one fell with a crash hello boys hi john for the love of pete joe shave off those whiskers of yours and make you look like trotsky see any germans what's the news what's doing hey manuelo this to a philippine mess boy who stood looking on with impassive curiosity save three more breakfast anything go for you well if here isn't our old bump the crowd gathered around captain john who had established contact this is military term quite out of place in a work on the navy with the eagerly sought horribly elusive german go on john give us an earful what time did you say it was oh about five a m answered the captain he stood leaning against a door and the fine head the pallor the touch of fatigue all made a very striking and appealing picture say about eight minutes after five i'd just come up to take a look-see and saw him just about two miles away on the surface and moving right along 
so i went under to get into a good position came up again and let him have one well the bird saw it just as it was almost on him swung her around and dived like a ton of lead the audience listened in silent sympathy one could see the disappointment on the captain's face where was he oh about so-and-so that's the jinx that got after the convoy sure as you live the speaker had had his own adventures with the germans a month or so he shoved his periscope and spotted a fritz on the surface in full noonday the watchful fritz however had been lucky enough to see the enemy almost at once and had dived the american followed suit the eyeless submarine manoeuvred about some eighty feet under the german evidently making his getaway the american hoping to be lucky enough to pick up fritz's trail and get a shot at him when the enemy rose again to the top and while the two blind ships manoeuvred there in the dark of the abyss the keel of the fleeing german had actually by a curious chance scraped along the top of the american vessel and carried away the wireless aerials all were silent for a few seconds thinking over the affair it was not difficult to read the thought in every mind the thought of getting at the enemy the idea of our navy is get after em keep after em stay after em don't give em an instant of security or rest and none have this fighting spirit deeper in their hearts than our gallant men of the submarine patrol that's all said captain john i'm going to have a wash-up he lifted a grease-stained hand to his cheek and rubbed his unshaven beard and grinned any letters oh bag of stuff smithy put it on your desk captain john wandered off presently the door opened again and three more veterans of the patrol cruised in also in ancient uniforms there were more cheers more friendly cries it was unanimously decided that the trotsky of the first lot had better take a back seat since the second in command of the newcomers was a perfect ringer for rasputin see anything oh nothing much there's a bit of wreckage just offshore saw a british patrol boat early tuesday morning i was on the surface lying between her and the sunrise she was hidden by a low-lying swirl of fog she saw us first when we saw her i made signals and over she came guess what the old bird wanted wanted to know if i'd seen a torpedo he'd fired at me an old scout with white whiskers one of those retired captains i suppose who has gone back on the job he admitted that he had received the admirably notes about us but thought we acted suspicious did you ever hear of such nerve when the war was young i had a year of it on land now i have seen the war at sea to my mind if there is one service of this war which more than any other required those qualities of endurance skill and courage whose blend the fighting men so wisely call guts it surely was our submarine patrol so here's to the l boats their officers and crews and to the bushnell and her brood of bantry bay six our sailors in the lingo of the navy the enlisted men are known as gobs this word is not to be understood as in any sense conveying a derogatory meaning the men use it themselves the gobs on the two ten what does a real gob want with a wristwatch it is an unlovely syllable but it has character in the days before the war our navy was to use an officer's phrase more of a big training school than anything else 
there were of course a certain number of young men who intended to become sailors by profession even as some entered the regular army with the intention of remaining in it but the vast majority of sailors were one enlistment men who signed on for four years and then returned to civilian life the personnel included boys just graduated from or weary of high school young men from the western farms eager for a glimpse of the world and city lads either uncertain as to just what trade or profession they should follow or thirsting for a man's cup of adventure before settling down to the prosaic task that gives the daily bread today the enlisted personnel of the navy is a cross-section of the nation's youth there are many college men, particularly among the engineers. There are young men who have abandoned professions to enter the Navy to do their bit. For instance, the yeoman who ran the little office on board Destroyer 66 was a young lawyer who had attained real distinction. On board the same destroyer was a lad who had been for a year or two a reporter on one of the New York papers, and a chubby, earnest lad whose father is a distinguished leader of the Massachusetts Bar. Of my four best friends, Pop had worked in some shop or other, Giles was a student from an agricultural college somewhere in western New York, Idaho was a high school boy fresh from a great ranch, and Robbie was the son of a physician in a small southern city. The Napoleonic veterans of the new navy are the professional gobs of old. Sailors with second enlistment stripes go down the deck, the very vieux de la vieille. The sailor suffers from the fact that many people have fixed in their minds an imaginary sailor whom they have created from light literature and the stage just as the soldier must always be a dashing fellow so must the sailor be a rollicking soul fond of the bottle and with a wife in every port is not the comic sailor a recognized literary figure yet whoever heard of the comic soldier this silly phantom blinds us to the genuine charm of character with which the sea endows her adventurous children we turn into a frolic a career that is really one of endurance heroism and downright hard work not that i am trying to make jack a sober size or a saint he is full of fun and spirit but the world ought to cease imagining him either as a mannerless roughhouser or a low comedian our sailors have no special partiality for the bottle indeed i feel quite certain that a majority of every crew keep away from the booze entirely as for having a wife in every port the chaplain says that a sailor is the most faithful husband in the world as a lot sailors are unusually good-hearted this last christmas the men of our american battleships now included in the grand fleet requested permission to invite aboard the orphan children of a great neighboring city and give them an american good time so the kiddies were brought aboard jack rigged up a christmas tree and distributed presents and sweets in a royal style said a witness of the scene to me i never saw children so happy one of the passions which sway the gobs is to have a set of tailor-made liberty blues by liberty blues you are to understand the sailor's best uniform the picturesque outfit he wears ashore surely the uniform of our american sailor is quite the handsomest of all 
on such a flimsy excuse however as that the government stuff don't fit you round the neck or hasn't any style jack is forever rushing to some louis katzenstein in norfolk virginia or sam schwartz of charleston massachusetts to get a real suit made endless are the attempts to make these a little bit different attempts alas which invariably end in reprimand and disaster the dernier cri of a sportiness is to have a right-hand pocket lined with starboard green and a left-hand pocket lined with port red a second ambition is to own a heavy seal ring fourteen carat navy crest name and date of enlistment engraved free sailors pay anywhere from twenty to seventy dollars for these treasures Today the style is to have a patriotic motto engraved within the band i remember several inscribed democracy or death the desire of having a real watch comes next in hand and if you ask a sailor the time he is very liable to haul out a watch worth anywhere from a hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars our sailors are the very finest fellows in the world to live with i sailed with the navy many thousand miles i visited all the great bases and i did not see one single case of drunkenness or disorderly behavior the work done by our sailors was a hard and grueling labor the seas which they patrolled were haunted by every danger yet everywhere they were eager and keen their energy unabated their spirits unshaken End of part two.